In this week's episode of Let's Talk About It, we're going to explore power. We're going to start off in our relationship segment by just defining it. What is power? What are power imbalances? What is it all about? And then we're going to continue in our faith and context segment by exploring what exactly we should do with our power. You're here. You've joined us. Now let's talk about it. For another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we're so happy that you're joining us today. My love, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm chilling. Taking it one step at a time. How are you? I think I might be taking it two steps at a time. I might be trying to jump oh, steps. Fancy. You know? I think it's important that we're honest about that. Okay. You know, are you, I mean, are you late for something? Are no. you okay? Okay. Sometimes, sometimes you just want to get there faster. Oh, all you know, right. It doesn't have anything to do with being late, being early. Well, just make sure you stretch, you know. Don't want you to pull anything. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> um, so we're talking about power today. Absolutely. We first t- talked about playing this episode. We are first planning it. We had a song in mind, but we ain't going to talk about that song now. Wait, now which one? Oh. Yeah, we're just not going to talk about it. Well, no, I mean, I actually have a different one in, in mind. Oh, what are you thinking? Beyonce. Oh, from Feel the uh, Lion King. Yes, that's my jam. Okay. I'm we dancing can... to it right now as I, as we speak. I was trying to think of another power <laughs> song, but I can't think of one. So that one will do. Yeah, we'll work. With I that support one. that one. It doesn't quite fit the topic. That we're talking about. I mean, <laughs> I feel a... like you know. We'll see. We'll check in afterward to see if it fits. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think we'll uh, not be. That will not be the soundtrack for this episode. <laughs> so where are we starting today? Man, I think I think you know a good practice is starting with defining our terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm just curious, like when you think about power, what what are some working definitions, phrases, just from regular life mm-hmm. that come to mind for you? Man, power is a loaded it's a loaded word. It is. You know, uh, we obviously think about like governmental power and. Mm-hmm. Superpowers, indeed. The, inve- the Avengers come <laughs> um, to mind, but I think that power really comes down to influence. Mm. Um, it really comes down to, yeah, that ability to influence people. I mean, you, when you talk about powers, a lot of time we t- we're talking about leadership, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people that are in leadership have the ability to influence people and push people and. Position people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I'll, I'd start with the definition of power. Yeah, I do like your starting point of influence. And as I was kind of thinking through our preparation for this episode, and just some of the kind of packaged definitions that are out there, you know, mm-hmm. from sociologists, influence does seem to be the common thread, mm-hmm. right? So there's this idea that power is the capacity of, of people to be able to do something that they've got in mind, something that mm-hmm. they intend, but even 
if there's some resistance from other folks involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really this idea that some person is able to influence some other person mm-hmm. to do something that they otherwise probably wouldn't have done. Um, but that there is some kind of in- intent or at least a collection of preferences behind that influence. Mm. Um, and so for me, with that kind of layered definition of kind of influence in mind, then that expands it for me, right? Now mm-hmm. it's not just leadership and government, although I agree with you. That's a huge mm-hmm. uh, part of what I think about when I think about power. But I also think about relationships, too, like just one-on-one with mm-hmm. that working definition in mind. Because if you think about it, I think a lot of us, if we look back on certain relationships, have noticed that, like, man, I think I was, like, doing stuff that I wouldn't normally do yeah. <laughs> in yeah. that relationship. And sometimes that comes down to the kind of power that another person had in that relationship that we may not have even realized at that point. But they did have a series of preferences or intent that they were able to influence us to align with. And we didn't even see it coming. Yeah. I think especially when we talk about power differentials, it's not, that's something that's not easy, always easy to see. It manifests Mm -hmm. itself in a lot of different ways. You may have a power, a power imbalance um, that you notice and the other person doesn't. Very much. But that could still manifest itself in the way that they treat you, the way they talk to you. Mm. Um, Yeah. That way they even like direct you indirect like maybe it's maybe it's not they're not in a supervisory role over you Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. they still may be trying to influence you and point you in certain directions yeah um so power isn't always something that's so obvious and blatant it's something that you see and be like oh wow Mm -hmm. sometimes it's oh you look back and you're like wow i was really influenced heavily by this person yeah and didn't even realize it Mm -hmm. yeah which then naturally makes me think about how we tend to talk about manipulation Mm -hmm. um because manipulation, I think, is also very much about influence. But it's that that covert, undercover influence a lot of times that mm-hmm. you were just talking about. Um, but I think it's also, too, a question of when you have when you're looking at two people, how many choices does one person tend to have at mm. their disposal? Yeah compared with the other person, mm-hmm. right? And what impact does that, you know, does one person have on the number of choices that the other person has? Like sometimes people behave in ways within a relationship where they don't realize that they're limiting the other person's mm. choices, yeah. but they really are. Yeah. And I think that becomes a question of, of power as well because now you are influencing that other person, not necessarily in this very overt and even like intentionally directed way, Mm -hmm. but you're influencing them by the way that you're limiting the choices that they have at their disposal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's also a part of powers, power having, when you're in power, you have power, you have a different set of options that Mm -hmm. are available to you. And when you are at a power deficit, you don't have those same choices. You don't have those same options and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's a really important distinction to make there. Yeah. And I think for me, being able to see that as an element also, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, it's so interesting. The more we talk about this, how, how the definitions kind of expand and make yeah. room for more things. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think another thing it makes room for is, is social justice, mm-hmm. right? Because if power can be a question of 
how someone influences the number of choices someone else has. Yeah. Now you begin to ask questions about, wow, like, okay, when I go and vote and I make decisions based on what kinds of resources are available to a certain segment of, of a community, mm-hmm. that then limits or opens up the kinds of choices that they have. Mm-hmm. And so now I have, I have used my power in a way that has directly impacted or indirectly, right? Because, I mean, you didn't go to somebody's house and say something like, oh, now you can't go to this school or now your school doesn't have certain kinds of lunches or resources, right? You didn't directly do that. But you did use your power and influence in a way that eventually limited the choices of other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think back to the, to the um, I guess it was 2020 election or 20, was it 2016? It's all a blur. It is. All of the years are starting to... <laughs> It's one also, of them it was it was the the trump election let's just yeah let's just say, um, say what it is i think that's i think that's what made it for a lot of people of color particularly made it really painful time because i think we all went into that election thinking oh this is not going to happen mm-hmm. like when we when we actually vote people are going to look at this and see it for what it is and we're going to understand it is not going to happen it just can't happen and even as we're watching things unfold start oh, to happen man. you just keep thinking all right yeah it's it started out bad but the when denial it's not going to happen <laughs> and so i think that power piece that um for a long time we've had that belief that uh, eventually people's better natures mm. will come forward and, and quote unquote save us from from this calamity yeah <laughs> um but if you don't understand the power of your vote, what it means to be a privileged person in whatever status you have, mm. you don't understand how that, how your decisions affect the whole, mm-hmm. how it affects mm-hmm. everybody. And we'll talk a little bit more about using power. I don't want to jump to that quite yet, but we do yeah. right now want to try to focus on power differentials. And so what are some common places and ways that we see power differentials come up? Yeah. I think some one common power differential or, you know, an imbalance of power in a relationship is is your, you know, parent child Mm -hmm. relationship. Right. So the parent naturally has more influence over the choices that a child can make Mm -hmm. over, you know, over the resources that that child has, over the experiences that that child has. Um, And a lot of that is because of parents just they're responsible for the well-being of that child right so Mm -hmm. in that case the power imbalance is built into the relationship Mm -hmm. based upon just the the nature of the relationship itself Mm -hmm. um but then i also think about another common power imbalance is the boss and employee relationship Mm -hmm. right so in that sense you have two people who have entered an agreement that one person based on hopefully their experience (laughs) and um you know, the position that they hold within an organization that they will then have more influence over the choices and resources that you have access to. Um, I think there's a, there's an important distinction to make too. There's the boss employee, but there's also a, a boss volunteer relationship that I think is even, mm. it's a different kind of power imbalance. I think with a boss employee relationship, you have certain implied influence over Mm -hmm. that person. Um, things that you can ask them to do, things that are part of their job description. But with a volunteer, I think where you can really get into some da- dangerous territories where you're asking them to do things, and this person obviously is a volunteer, is not being paid. Oh, I see what you mean. There is no yeah. compensation. You can't treat them the same, but the power imbalance is such that a volunteer may be 
even be in a less of a position to say no mm-hmm. or to push mm-hmm. back at all because you're like, oh, I have no status, no right, no stake in the organization, right? Yeah, and a lot of and a lot of and I think you see a lot of people take advantage of that as well. Well, they're unpaid. They're here for the experience or they're here to hopefully parlay this into a job. Yeah. Oh, I might be able to get a little bit more out of them or they might not say no to me or they might not push back as much. Wow. And I think you're actually hitting on something very important because those are those that list that you just rattled off. Those mm-hmm. are those unspoken limitations on mm. choices. Yeah. Right. So what's interesting about that power imbalance between boss and and volunteer is there, there can be some perceived limitations to choices Mm. that I, that I think are very legitimate. Right. So for example, like you just mentioned, say the volunteer is feeling like they're being exploited, that, you know, their time isn't being respected, their energy isn't being respected, but they're hoping that this opportunity is going to lead to a paid job in the future. So they're, they are perceiving their choices being limited by mm-hmm. the potential for their boss to get upset that they advocated for themselves yeah. and then ultimately decide not to give them a job, yeah. right? And so I think that is a very important point because as we become curious about power imbalances, it's helpful to ask, what are the per- perceived limitations yeah. on choices? Yeah. Um, and perception matters, right? Mm-hmm. Because if that volunteer really does feel like they can't, say no to you. Yeah. That's a real barrier to them. Absolutely. Right? And that that raises questions about how you're using your power in that relationship, how you are cultivating that emotional space with that in, that volunteer, right? That then becomes a part of the responsibility of the boss to really be curious about and to heal some of those perceived limitations on choices. Yeah, I know for for me uh being on staff at a church and having a a a large number of volunteers that I work with, mm. I have, I'm constantly mindful of that. Even if people come and they say, Hey, I really want to serve and I, whatever you need, you know, I, tr- yeah. I really try to look at that and temper that mm-hmm. and be like, and be honest with them. Like, Hey, I, I, I really appreciate your willingness to do this. These are the limits that I'm putting in place to help you not feel like you're being taken advantage of it for you That's to good. feel like you can serve freely and, and serve at your best capacity. Cause mm-hmm. I've been in that position. I've been that volunteer that said, Oh, I'm, whatever every i'll serve every week and i'll do multiple things like i've been that person and then i've at the end of that been like man i'm really getting run down Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so that's that's something that i'm trying to be uh uh, cognizant of with volunteers and Mm -hmm. and not to push them too much still allow them to feel bought in still Mm -hmm. allow them to feel a part of the team um but let's i don't i don't want to push that i don't want to take advantage of that yeah And I think there's so much power, right, in giving someone the freedom to say no Mm -hmm. and to and to make that explicit. Right. One of the things that I get a little. What's the word? It just, you know, it chafes against me a little bit Mm -hmm. is the habit of and, and like I, you know, I'll be honest, I've said this, too, just out of habit, but the habit of saying to people who have less power or influence than you. Let me know if you need anything Mm -hmm. or, you know, let me know X, Y, Z. Right. Right. Instead of making an explicit list of choices that are both in the affirmative and in the, no, what's the opposite of that? (laughs) Non-affirmative. Your no choices. Right. right? (laughs) Um, But I think there's, there's a habit of just being like in a lot of leadership, leadership positions, just saying, oh, well, I told them that they could come tell me. Mm -hmm. And it's like. 
Okay, but is there is there a culture of the perceived choice to actually push back on leadership? Yeah. In your organization or, or your business or whatever it is. And most of the time there isn't because yeah. in our Western culture, we have very strict kind of ideas about hierarchy mm-hmm. and not crossing over boundaries of hierarchy. Yeah. Um, so I think it is very important as, you know, people with power over other people to really be explicit and say, hey, if you want to say no to this, please know I'm going to respect that. No. Yeah. And I want you to have the freedom to say no at any time. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I've been I've been in work environments and places where the unsaid thing mm. is not agreed upon by both parties. Oh yikes. Where, that's real. Yeah. You know, where the 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 leadership says, We want you guys to be open and honest, and if you have feedback that you want to give us, we want to accept that. And then mm. you have some people that are were outspoken and they either get ostracized or pressured or the environment is made to the point that I don't want to be here anymore. Exactly. And so it's a lot of that, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, this is kind of from the perspective of the person on the deaf power deficit side of this is, okay, you say that, but what do you really mean? And what has your behavior told me mm-hmm. is going to be the outcome of this. Exactly. And I think that's so important too, because the history of a space also mm. informs the kinds of choices people perceive that they have. Yep. Um, and it, it it's unfortunate because I think another element of Western culture is that if we haven't written it down, then it mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But the reality is humans are storied beings. We, we remember what has happened to us and our choices are influenced by what we remember. Mm-hmm. And so if you've been in an organization for five years and you've seen a history of leadership retaliating non-verbally yep. against people who have said no, right? Who yeah. have enacted their choice of no. Yeah. Then you could say until you're blue in the face, you know, <laughs> we would love to hear your feedback. We would love to hear if this is not enjoyable for you. And I'm thinking like, no, nah, bro, like I've been here for five years and I've seen that that's not true. Every person that complains disappears. M- magically. <laughs> like, where are they? So no, I'm not about to push back against you know, whatever initiative that you mm-hmm. vo- vocalize, because I already know that my choices are limited based upon our history. Yeah. I think in the, we've, we've had some really high profile examples. I mean, over the last decade of, of these power imbalances, um, showing up. I mean, we, we watched mm. this documentary, the, we work documentary. Ooh. Um, you know, it's about this guy, Adam Newman, who started, uh, the, we work company. It's a co-working space. And, you know, his initial vision for this is beautiful. The work mm-hmm. environment, people love working there. They have fun. They work hard. But as things started getting bigger and his dreams started getting bigger and his focus became so, so just focused on the business and not on mm. the people, no one could tell him no. No one could push up against him. Even the people that helped start and found the company uh, were on the outside looking in when he made decisions. Wow. And so yeah. we, we've had, I mean, this is just one of many examples, mm-hmm. but you see how it's easy for companies and organizations to a rest on the laurels of their past. Oh, mm-hmm. look, look at what we've done. Mm. And then you're like, well, I've let's heard that before. look at where we are now. Right. <laughs> like what's happening <laughs> now? That's nice. <laughs> and then you, and then it's easy when you're in a position of privilege in a position of power to insulate yourself and say, mm. 
we got here because of my decision making, because of what I've done. Mm-hmm. So any pushback against me is a affront to the, the vision whole, to this yeah. organization. You don't believe in it's it becomes a us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's so interesting, too, because if we go back to kind of our original definition, right? So mm-hmm. power is this ability to enact influence on other people based Mm -hmm. on your intent or your preferences, right? Mm -hmm. You can end up in a situation where there's almost like, there's almost like a, a hive mind at work Mm -hmm. of, of the, the, the organization's collective understanding of the organization's preferences and, and goals and vision and intent. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's interesting how with WeWork, I think it wasn't just it wasn't just the difficulty to push back on on the leader, but there was also this like momentum of the collective yeah. Yeah. imagination about the mm-hmm. vision of the organization and the intent of the organization. And there was this feeling of even as that continued to snowball and you could see how there was damage being caused yeah. because the vision was too hyper focused on just becoming bloated and just kind of colonizing all of (laughs) every, every empty building ever. People didn't feel like they could like push back against that. Yeah. Right. They, they didn't feel like they could say, Hey, um, this, this feels like it's not very sustainable. This vision itself feels like it's not sustainable. So it's just, it's interesting how power can even exist, not just, in behavioral relations, but even in like the imagination of a yes, group of people. Yeah. And momentum is a real thing. I think that's, mm-hmm. I, I think this is something that you alluded to. Um, when things get rolling in a certain direction, Whew. it takes more than just one person saying stop. It's real. To stop it. Yep. Especially when the whole organization, everything, the focus, the money, everything is pushing in one direction. It's really difficult for one voice, especially a, a power deficit voice to speak mm. up and say, Hey guys, <laughs> Hey guys, wait, wait, because yeah. then you look like the, the outlier. You look like the person who's, who's stopping progress. You do. And I think that's a good sign to know that power, that your power is not being used in a healthy way is, is if it becomes a, you're against us. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The focus isn't all right. What are you saying? Let's analyze this and let's, internalize this and figure out what what we can do mm-hmm. to not only help you feel better and feel heard but how can we improve the organization but when it becomes well you're against us mm-hmm. you're against progress you're what's wrong with you it's a red flag yeah yeah but what's so interesting though i appreciate you bringing that up because what tends to happen is even though the people who like the people with the power deficit are the ones that tend to notice Mm -hmm. when power is being unhealthily used or when there's something unsustainable about uh, an organization, there does tend to be that pushback, right? The, the, the perception that those people are like the villains or the squeaky wheels. But if you Mm -hmm. think about it, the folks with the power, uh, the power deficit tend to have the better pulse on. Oh yeah you know, the health of an organization because the folks with the most power tend to be more, more blinded, yeah. right? Like they're more biased. They the, the stakes are higher for them in terms of if that vision doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's room for us to commit to being being curious at least, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes squeaky wheels are going to be actual squeaky wheels. They just 
want to feel powerful by being destructive. Sometimes that does happen. But for the most part, people with a power differential are raising some really valid claims. And, yeah. you know, you, you want to have a space where those people feel like they can actually say, you know, hey, I think we need to take a closer look at this. Yeah, absolutely. So what what would you say to a person that is well, let me let me back up a little bit before we kind of pivot to the next to mm-hmm. the next part. We talked about a few of the difficulties you can have in in a power deficit relationship, but there's also a a relational aspect that we haven't really talked about at mm, all. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we've experienced being in leadership, particularly on the church side for a while, is that it can be really hard to form peer relationships if yeah. if even in your church environment people consider you over them or above them mm-hmm. in some way. So there is the power differential, obviously, in that other direction of, okay, I don't feel like I can come to you. I don't feel like I can give you critique but there's also the side of it where people don't really get close to you because they feel like you're almost untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think for what it's worth, if we go back to this idea that there is this kind of collective imagination about what power is and how it tends to be used at Mm -hmm. work in our culture, I think some of what's happening there is there has historically been a pattern of folks with more power kind of abusing their power, Mm -hmm. right? And using their influence to make choices that limit the choices of other folks. And so when you have someone looking at another person with more, you know, power than them in a, in a church or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever organization, I think there's legitimate reason for them to be a little skeptical, a little Mm self-protective, a little bit less willing to get, emotionally close yeah um and i grieve that right because i'm like certainly i don't think everyone wants to abuse their power and i know for myself i want to be i want to be a person that that multiplies power and doesn't Mm -hmm. abuse it right but i have to be honest and accept that when people you know see me or any other person in leadership Mm -hmm. that history that kind of historical definition of how power has been used is operating in their mind probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what, what, a what, what's the word? I don't want to say bothers, but what saddens me, I think is that, is that just the presence of a power imbalance can make people feel like you're inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or that they feel like they have to be at a certain place to even, Mm-hmm. Like, I have to, let me get myself together and then maybe we can be friends yeah. type of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I think we both strive to be people who are open, honest, and don't, you know, we're in an informal setting. We, Yeah, we just, we kicking we just, it. We just kicking it, especially people in our own age group. People um, have common interests. We just want to mm-hmm. talk. And, and I think people that know us know that. But it's, I know it's not an easy switch to flip and just be like, oh. It, it's not. It's not. Because who wants to go to like you know, who wants to go to a party with their boss? I'm like, oh my gosh, like. <laughs> and that's what it is too, yeah. right? I I think that's you know as funny as that analogy is, but 
with a power imbalance comes certain responsibilities, certain commitments to professionalism mm-hmm. and ethics that that can if you if you have a more informal relationship with someone than you should, mm-hmm. those things can be put at risk, mm-hmm. right? And so the reason that the boss is a stuffy presence at a at a party, <laughs> you know, in this analogy, is because they can't forsake the ethics and the responsibility and, yeah. and you know, the commitments to professionalism. I mean, they can, yeah. but they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Right? And so <laughs> they suck up all the air in the room <laughs> because they're trying to maintain the boundaries that are required of that power imbalance. But then the other people feel like they're suffocated and like yeah. they can't really have fun. Right? So... There's a lot of elements at play. And I I mean, I agree. It makes me sad, too, because then on the flip side of that, right, what tends to happen is people who have a lot of power um, and have a lot of, I don't want to say this, people who have a lot of power and also have limited, like, peer relationships, Mm -hmm. they tend to have limited access to a lot of emotional intimacy, yeah. right? Because they don't they don't have a lot of relationships where they can kind of let their hair down, yeah. be unprofessional, be their unpolished self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sad on both sides, right? It's sad because you have people with a power deficit who feel like they can't be themselves yeah. um, or can't get close to people with power. And then on the flip side, you have people with a lot of power who don't have a lot, lot of opportunities to grow emotionally healthy mm-hmm. um you know because they don't have a lot of peer relationships so i mean power and isolation becomes scary and really easily rolls into yeah. abuse of that power mm-hmm. it's really i mean we power without accountability and if you don't have a real system for accountability you will end up everything any critique any mm-hmm. questioning mm-hmm. is opposition and must be <laughs> gotten rid of legit though right and so if we go back to our definition right like if if power is the ability to enact influence on other people mm-hmm. even in spite of resistance mm-hmm. then being able to develop a healthy style of of power is being practiced in receiving resistance mm-hmm. and so being practiced at Bending to the resistance of others, yeah. allowing other people the opportunity to say no to you actually helps you to become someone who can steward your power without abusing it. Absolutely. But if you're someone who just has gone through life without hearing a no <laughs> oh for my. 23 years oh my gosh. or without experiencing the feelings that come with resistance for 23 years, then, yeah, <laughs> like unfortunately, the trajectory is leading you toward and abusive of your influence because you don't you don't know what that feels like yeah. to hear no from somebody else. Yeah. I mean dick I mean you look at any any um documentary or anything you watch about dictators, first thing they do, yep. get rid of dissent. Yikes. How do we do that? Usually it ends up with some murders and so with some <laughs> taking Usually of financial up. resources. It takes yeah. you just start getting rid of dissent and consolidating your power. Oh my goodness, yeah. And so when we get into isolation, we get into these spaces where no one can tell us anything, where we don't have the proper relationships around us to ground us, mm-hmm. it can be a very dangerous place and that and when we're on that road, we might not have a country to be a dictator over, but we may have a a group mm. of people, a, a a a department, a company, a community that we're being dictators of. Yikes. Man, I I'm, I'm trying not to like I know we're getting over time, but (laughs) 
one thing that's coming to mind, too, is just the psychology of power, mm. right? So if you're someone who has gotten used to having a lot of power, once you begin to experience its deterioration, for whatever reason, mm. there can really be a feeling of legitimate fear. Yeah. And and sometimes even paranoia. Yeah. And so, again, if you're not someone who is practiced at feeling the feelings of like, oh, like there's someone else's influence that can trump mine, mm -hmm. then then sometimes people can really spiral into this self-protective, paranoid, like, tirade, yeah. right? And I mean, goodness, I'm trying to think of examples of, <laughs> you know, but I think dictators mm -hmm. are prime examples of that, right? Because the paranoia that we see yeah. in a lot of, you know, his, histor history, uh, historical examples of dictatorships, it's really capturing that dynamic, right? Yeah. They, they start feeling the deterioration of their power and the fear that they feel motivates them to just irrational behaviors. Yeah. So we're going to start to pivot. We're still staying on the topic of power, but mm -hmm. we're going to start to focus a little bit more in, in a faith community. Yeah. What do we do with power in our faith community? So we looked at power kind of generally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what does power look like within our faith communities? I think what's really important in answering this question is remembering what God in, intended for humans in general. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I will, until I'm blue in the face, go back to the Genesis creation story because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that, you know, that was God's ideal. That was God's ideal imagination for, for creation. And when I go back there and I see the way that God stamped upon us God's image, yeah. right? Like we were humankind was created in God's image. That was truly, I mean, you know, theologians have said a lot about what that means, but at its core was this trust in in a form of ambassadorship mm -hmm. over creation and and this trust to take care of and protect creation on earth with God's will dictating how we make those choices, yeah. right? And so Ultimately, then the question, how do we use our power, is that, right? <laughs> it's, right. To, it's to continue um, participating in that ambassadorship, right? Being appointed officials, uh, yeah. you know, over uh -huh. creation. Um, and, and not in a domineering, you know, kind of destructive way, but in a way that the, the symbolism of the garden really embodies, right? Yeah. Like you don't go into a garden and, and, and trample over all the flowers and not water it and, you know, pull up the flowers instead of the weeds, right? You go into a garden and you nurture it, you cultivate it so that it, it produces more life. Yeah. And so that is what we're supposed to do with our power. Mm. I, yeah. I think power has to be something that we understand to be shared and not limited. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, we talked about it in the dictator example of, well, I'm losing, I'm losing this power. Mm. But when you look at the creation story, God gave Adam and Eve power and authority over and dominion over the land, naming mm -hmm. the the uh, animals and tending to the land, taking care of the animals, and 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 that would that did not make God any less God. No, come on now. And so it's important for us as leaders to be able to look and see me empowering other people, me giving power, mm -hmm. whatever, however you want to uh, use it, mm -hmm. power and authority to people. Does it make me any less whatever I am? But that, I mean, that's what, 
Western culture absolutely tells you happens, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it's so interesting to see the contrast between God's imagination for how power should be used mm-hmm. in the creation story, the contrast between that and, and the way that, you know, human culture tends to interpret power. Yeah. Humans say that power is limited. Yeah. It's it's a finite resource. But when you look at the creation story, God God not only gave humans the ability to to steward and have influence over creation, but if you look at for example, when God created the like the vegetation, yeah. The creation story says that God gave the trees and the and the vegetation the ability to make more of their own kind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So God wasn't just multiplying power just to humans. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, like God was giving creation itself the ability to to multiply. And and for me, that for, that's just so beautiful because it could have been so much more efficient for mm-hmm. God to just decide exactly the point in time that each thing was created. Yep. But for God to trust both humans and creation itself with with influence over creation, that yeah. that's just that's just amazing. I think that efficiency point is a great point. It's it's real easy when there's one person that makes all the decisions. Mm-hmm. You know who to blame, you, and then <laughs> right. ultimately you know who you need to go to to get the answers you want. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, I don't have to answer to anybody; mm-hmm. just make the decision. But this is why monarchies fell apart. There you go. Because when it was down to one person, you were up to the whims of that one person. Because <laughs> nobody's meant to have all that power, right? Mm, like, mm-hmm. we think it's efficient, but it's not sustainable. Exa- that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. We think it's efficient, but it's not sustainable. That's a quote. Maybe. We'll that's see. That's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the ways that are, the ways that we could see how power is abused is that when power is seen as a limited resource, mm-hmm. people that are coming into your space that may, um, I don't even want to say challenge, but be a, in your mind, if you, if you're viewing power as a limited resource, be a threat to your power. Mm-hmm. That's a good sign that power is being abused. When new people are not seen as, mm-hmm. um, a part of the community or are not a part of the leadership or a part of the team, but you're kind of like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. That's legit. And, I just, you know, I want to play the other side of the argument. There are many situations where people do come in and mm-hmm. they do try to usurp and yeah. they try to they try to enact influence over other people before they've developed the trust mm. that would warrant that. Yeah. And so, you know, what I'm what I want to also honor is that sharing power comes with risk. Yeah. And we see that in the creation story as well, right? God yeah. trusted us with the power to steward creation and we ruined it (laughs) right but but that that is that is always going to be an inherent risk like if you want to have influence over a space that is sustainable you're going to have to take in take on the risk that comes with multiplying that influence Mm -hmm. if you don't want it to be sustainable and you want it to be efficient go ahead and hoard it (laughs) right i mean you will probably implode in two years but hey you know it's efficient things run like clockwork you know what decisions are being made and why okay are you willing to sacrifice some short-term progress for the for the long-term health that's good yeah that's That's, the question that's what it is i mean you know you may give somebody the authority to do to be over the website Mm -hmm. and they may make a mistake and have a typo on the website that you wouldn't have made yeah but that person's going to learn that lesson 
And then a year from now, when that person is more confident, more more in tune with the the way the organization works, it's going to be up. the The work will be spread out spread out better. You'll mm-hmm. have people that are empowered to do what they need to do, and not always looking to looking over their shoulder mm-hmm. or waiting for somebody else to make the decision. So it's, are you willing to give up a little bit of of that? of that power mm-hmm. for the long-term health of your community. That's the question. And what's interesting too is where you have a multiplication of power, you have a multiplication of choice, which means you also have more opportunity for innovation and creativity. Mm, right? Yeah. So in this example with, you know, the person that you trusted to work on the website, now that they are in a position where you've given them some influence, you've given them a set of choices that they can make, mm-hmm. they learn from this mistake, and now there's a new set of choices that they're going to make in the future, yeah. right? So that's that's innovation, and that's creativity at work. Yeah. But if you only have one person that's able to enact their influence and preferences, th- I mean, that we, we just we don't have an infinite capacity for imagination and choice. We just simply don't. Mm-hmm. And so if you have more than one person that's more, you know, more opportunity for creativity. And I think, especially in the church space, I mean, you know, we were just talking, what, a couple episodes ago about church innovation. Mm -hmm. And you want to be a space that's able to move with the times and, of course, keep the message the same, but allow the method to become more um, fruitful for the people that you're trying to serve. But if you've only got two people that are able to make choices... Not a whole lot of creativity can Absolutely. can happen there. Yeah. So we're getting ready to wrap up this episode. But before we leave, I definitely want to talk about the right ways to use power. And I think something that we haven't really touched on that I want to make sure we do talk about is that as leaders, we have to, to use our power to protect those that are vulnerable. Yes. It's, it's essentially important. I've been in places where I didn't feel protected by leaders. Mm. Um, and so as leaders, we have to be able to identify those people identify those people that maybe don't have as much confidence mm-hmm. that maybe are even as skilled or as talented as other people and protect them and guide them and, and encourage them, um, put them in the best positions possible to be successful. That's good. And when you see, when you see either people or things that are coming their way that may be detrimental or damaging to them, do everything that you can to keep those things from happening, keeping those people away from them, keeping those conversations away from them. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of my job as a leader is to deflect a lot of the bad stuff, mm. filter it out and make it, make it turn it from criticism into critique. That's good. Yeah. Into constructive critique. And so um, as leaders, we have to be prepared to do that with the power and influence that we have. Absolutely. And I think that's coming right out of Psalm 23, mm. right? Your rod and your staff, they protect and guide me, right? Yeah. And and that's the kind, that's the picture of leadership that we should have, right? That you're both protecting and guiding. Mm-hmm. I think another way that, that our power should be used is to also, you know, make sure that it's not hoarded, yeah. right? Um, so I think we've been talking about this the whole episode, but I'll just mm-hmm. briefly bring up one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 2. Um, you know, 1 through 8, where it's, it's inviting us to have this mindset that Christ have, where Christ didn't see equality with God as something to to hoard, something to, you know, use to his own advantage, but he served, right? He yeah. emptied himself even up to the point of of death. And so really thinking about power as something that shouldn't be just craved for the sake of having it. Yeah. Um, but that it really is something that's that's supposed to be a tool for serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this a little bit already, but 
Um, I think that empowering people and multiplying PowerPoint that you brought up earlier mm-hmm. is a, is an important aspect of what we should do as leaders in faith communities. Um, you know, like you said, it's it's easier, it's more efficient for just one person to just mm-hmm. wield the mighty sword of 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 church power. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's way more beneficial to the community. I mean, that's what church and faith community are, are about. It's about building community and not yeah. building one person or one person's ego and one person's authority. It's about making sure that everybody feels bought into the community mm-hmm. and also has the ability to make decisions, has agency. Agency to me is, is a huge word when, yeah. I, when I'm in conversation with other leaders is do your people have agency? Mm-hmm. Are you giving people agency in the spaces that they're in? Yeah. And so that's important as we're thinking about empowering people and multiplying power. Very I think that's it. I think that's it. So this episode was all about power. We started out talking about power differentials, some of the pitfalls of power differentials, Mm -hmm. um, how it can affect workplaces, how it can affect relationships, Mm -hmm. um, and the ways that we can identify and as leaders, things that we can do to uh, be better stewards of our leadership. And then we focused in on the faith community. And we talked about how we can use power, Mm -hmm. how is power used in our communities, and then how... Are we able to um, not abuse our power and use our power for the betterment and the growth of the individuals in our community, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they be volunteers, staff, or just members, and for multiplying power within our faith communities? But this is not the end of the conversation, people. No, it's not. We want this conversation to continue in your small groups, in your dorm rooms, uh, in your homes, and we'd love to hear about it. So you can use the hashtag, hashtag talk about it, P-O-D. Let us know your thoughts about power. What experiences have you had? How have you seen power used in your faith communities? And maybe even you have some tips for some of our mm-hmm. listeners for how uh, how to approach power differentials. We'd love to hear about it. You can also connect with us on social media. Micah, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Marie Morgan. And where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Malcolm D-O-T Media. That's at Malcolm D-O-T Media on Instagram and Twitter. Is that it? I think that's it. We did a thing. You guys, we really hope this episode helped you. We hope to hear from you guys. Thank mm-hmm. you guys for listening. I'm Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. This has been Let's Talk About It. We'll see you all next time.